The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. This evening, um, I thought of reflecting on an aspect of the, the, the way the Buddha taught. You know, he, he often taught using analogy. He was a master at analogies. Um, when he um, taught with analogies, he would sometimes, you know, elaborate a little bit and unpack the analogy a little bit. And, um, and, and they're, they're so appropriate. They're so evocative at times. So one of the analogies that he used is actually for the, the goal of the practice, the, the whole aim of the practice. The word that um, is often used as the aim of the practice or the result or the, um, the direction of the practice, the possibility of freedom of Nibbana is the Pali word in um, is, is the word in Pali, Nibbana. And it's often translated as enlightenment, but um, enlightenment is nowhere near anything related to what the word means, actually. Um, the, word, the word itself is, is kind of an analogy. It, it means something like cooling off. And the word was... Uh, in the Pali could have been used, I understand that it could have been used for very simple um, situations, like, you know, if you have food on the table, the food cools off, you know, the food nibanas, the food, you know, loses its heat just naturally uh, over time. And so this image of losing heat and the naturalness of the losing of heat is is something I think that's worth exploring. And then the flip side of that is that, um, of that image of the losing heat, is that the Buddha also spoke about the, um, the struggles that we have, the, uh, the reaction, the reactivity, the suffering. Um, he spoke about the, um, greed, aversion, and delusion being the kind of key things that we get stuck on and, and struggle about. The, the pain of those um, mind states are the source or the, the, the ground of our struggles and our stress and our suffering. And he used an analogy for those as being a fire. So he, um, he gave a, a sermon, one of his early uh, sermons, a fire sermon. He gave a, a Dharma talk where he said, basically over and over again, he repeated things like, the eye is on fire, the, the nose is on fire, the ears on, are on fire. And what is it on fire with? It's on fire with the flames of greed, aversion, and delusion. And so all of our sense experience uh, he talked about as as being a fire, as being connected with the fire of greed, aversion, and delusion, and so the image of cooling that fire is is the direction of the path or the aim of the path, releasing that um, that suffering of being burned. So a couple things about this image, you know, that I really appreciate. Um, uh, the, the kind of the naturalness of the cooling is one piece. 
you know, that if you have a fire, if you don't add anything to the fire, the fire will go out. So it's, it's just a very natural process by which that happens. And he used that analogy over and over again in the suttas. He said, if you have a fire and you don't throw um, logs on it, you don't throw anything on it, it's not going to keep burning. It will eventually go out. And so um, comparing the greed, the aversion, and the delusion to our suffering, the fire of our suffering, when we stop adding greed, aversion, and delusion into our system, the suffering, the, the, the suffering of the fires will, will die out. And, and it, it is a gradual thing. I mean, these, these analogies he used, he said, if you have this massive fire and you stop adding flames to it, if you stop adding fuel to it, it will eventually die out. He doesn't use the analogy of throwing water on the fire or throwing sand on the fire to put the fire out. He uses the analogy of stopping adding the fuel. And the fuel is the greed, the aversion, and the delusion. So that's that to me speaks to the path of our practice. How do we, how do we stop adding the fuel of greed, aversion, and delusion to to our minds. We have some tools for that. Mindfulness, effort, and concentration are, are tools that really support us to notice what's going on in our minds. In the guided meditation, I encouraged kind of your recognition of just what's here, and then what are we adding? You know, the, the adding part of, are, you, are we adding reactivity? Are we adding liking or not liking? Are we adding ideas, views, agendas? These are all the kinds of fuel for the fire. And the great thing about the way mindfulness works is that when we become aware of what's here, you know, so maybe we're not aware that we're adding aversion to the mix. We have something going on and we're not aware that we're adding aversion to the mix. When we're not aware that we're adding aversion to the experience, it's like we're throwing the aversion logs on the fire. It's, it's just fueling the fire of the aversion. But when we become aware, oh, there's aversion here. Now, we might think we actually have to stop doing something there, you know, stop doing that aversion. We might think that that's what it means to stop adding. But actually, the way it works is that becoming aware of the adding, becoming aware that we have the aversion in our minds, the adding stops at that moment. At that moment, then we become aware of the fire. We become aware of the, of the flames. We become aware that there is a fire going. And that's actually part of how our minds learn to stop adding fuel to the fire. It was kind of a shock to me when I first really began to pay attention to what was going on in my mind and notice some of this stuff, notice this adding process. And for me, a lot of the adding... Uh, being a kind of a, an aversive type, a lot of the adding was around aversion. It was around fear. It was around anger. It was around uh, not liking things. It was around wanting things to go away. It was about wanting things to be different and wanting to change things and fix things. 
And, you know, I just thought that was the way you lived a life. You, you, you went around fixing things that were problems. And I didn't notice until somebody suggested I start exp experimenting with mindfulness and notice, well, what is it like when anger is happening? You know, that, that simple instruction. What is it like when anger is happening? It was a shock to me. It's like, whoa, this doesn't feel very good. You know, what is it like when there's a, the aversion is happening, when the mind feels like it has to fix things and change things and get rid of something that it doesn't like? It felt like a fire. It burned. It was painful. And so that seeing, that very seeing, there is a fire happening when we have these um these things that we're adding, greed or aversion. Greed also has this quality of, of um, uh, adding um, tension and stress. Often it's got, a, it's got a constricted feeling to it. With greed, we, we, we're so focused on, often with greed, we're so focused on the possibility of getting something pleasant that we don't actually feel the pain of the constriction of the greed itself. And I'd say the same was true for me around anger and aversion. I was so focused on the um, what the, the anger thought was going to be the outcome of following through on that anger, which is that other person's going to be miserable and then I'll feel better when the other person's going to be miserable. You know, it's like I, I, there was this idea that somehow the anger was going to make me feel better, you know, some time from now. And so the mind was focused on that and it was not aware, not clear, that in this moment, it was burning me up, that it was painful here and now. And so the very seeing of that, seeing of the greed and the aversion as a fire, that itself is the first step in a, in a way of stopping this, adding the fuel, adding the fuel to the fire. And when we do see oh, there's a version in the mind. Wow, this is what it feels like. We are no longer, um, we're no longer piling the aversion on. We, becoming aware of it, it's like we, we know the fire that's burning, like the fire that's already been lit. We know that it's here, but we're not adding additional, uh, additional fuel to that fire. And so with this analogy that the Buddha uses of the cooling, um, for, you know, freedom, the, the, the cooling of the fire, the cooling off. Um, it's a slow process. You know, when you stop adding, if you, if you have a big bonfire going, if you stop adding wood to it, it will burn out, but it takes some time. You know, it doesn't go out instantly. It burns down slowly. And that's often what happens with our greed or aversion, you know, when we stop adding the fuel to the fire, it burns down slowly. And so part of our practice is to be aware of that, to be aware of the suffering, to be aware that um, this does burn. And I will say that the stronger that the mindfulness is, you know, the more... Um, the more capacity we develop for recognizing, oh, wow, this is what it feels like to be a human being that's experiencing anger or uh, greed or 
um, some kind of frustration or confusion, you know, just aware of that. You know, sometimes the mindfulness is strong enough that we feel the release from it in the moment. We actually feel the fire go out in the moment. And so the the tools that we have that let us not add fuel to the fire, and often that's what it, it feels like for quite a while, um, you know, the, the experience is that there's a slow diminishing of these qualities of aversion and greed in the mind. There's a slow diminishing of them. But as the mindfulness strengthens, there are times when seeing it, seeing, oh, wow, the mind, wow, there's anger happening in the mind, that the, the clarity of the seeing of that is so um, strong that the mind just realizes, wow, that's burning, and it lets it go. It just puts it down, and the fire goes out immediately. And so these tools that help us to be with the fire and not add fuel to the fire also can serve as like this massive like like river of water poured on a, a fire and just put it out immediately. And so the the um the the cultivation of those tools at times we begin to, and it's not, it's not always, um, you know, even after a, a few um, experiences of noticing something so clearly and having the suffering just vanish, you know, there, there were a few times of that, but still then there's a lot of times after that. It's not like you suddenly then, from then on, you know how to look at aversion or greed and it just will go out instantly. It's just sometimes there's um, the capacity is very strong and the interest is very strong and the wisdom is very strong and the, uh, the fire will go out immediately. Um, but then there's a lot more work that we have to do, a lot more exploration of just meeting it. But the the shift that is really important to recognize is the feeling or the shift of when it feels like we're adding to the fire and when it feels like we can know there is a fire. When it feels like we can just know that, just be aware of it. There's a shift in... um, in the mind that, you know, it's kind of more like, um, maybe it, it kind of feels like we could use working with this fire analogy, you know, um, at the beginning of building a fire, a campfire or something, you got to do a lot of work to get it going. So you keep adding things, you blow on it, you know, you, it's, it's a lot of work to get the fire going. But then at a certain point, you settle back at the campfire and you just sit there and you watch it. And it can be kind of pleasant to watch the fire. You know, actually, there's there's some warmth there, and and it's it's e- it's easeful. You you don't have to keep working at making the fire go because you're just letting it burn down. And then it gets to embers, and you just get to watch the glowing of the embers. And so there's there's kind of um, you know, there's a difference in the quality of being at that campfire when you have to work so hard to keep the fire going or to get it going, and when you can relax and just watch it. And there is that kind of a shift with mindfulness, the, 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 the shift of um, 
knowing that the mind has been doing this, all of this adding, all of this work to like doing its habit, doing what it thinks is going to make it feel good, what it thinks is going to make it, like like for me, of thinking that the anger is going to make me feel better at some point when I know that the other person is miserable. I mean, it's just so so interesting to see that belief act- uh, operating in the mind. And then when I could see it, over time, the the movement towards not going there, not adding that fuel to the fire, just a slow, gradual kind of stepping back from that. So I like this analogy of Nibbana as a cooling because it is, it speaks to a natural process that happens when there are certain conditions in place. And the conditions in place are the mindfulness and the effort which leads to a kind of a stability of the mindfulness to be able to know what is here in the moment. What's actually happening in the moment? And then noticing what are we adding? Are we adding opinions, views, ideas? Are we adding a not liking, a liking, an aversion, a fear, a confusion? Often those addings, the things that we add, happen a little behind the scenes. We're not so aware. They're so habitual. They're strategies that we have used to find our way to happiness because we think they do make us happy. And we have learned that they give us a little bit of relief. You know, getting something that I want gives me a little bit of relief, gives me a little bit of happiness. Getting rid of something that I don't want gives me a little bit of happiness. And underneath it all are these ideas and beliefs that the having and the getting rid of is what's going to make me happy. These, These delusional ideas that that's the way to happiness. Greed and aversion are under are underpinned by that belief that that's how I can be happy. And we, we do experience a little bit of happiness when we get something we want or we get rid of something we don't want. And so it seemingly confirms that belief, that view, that having what I want or getting rid of what I won't, don't want will make me happy. But the Buddha encourages us to actually notice what follows from that. You know, how long does that happiness actually last? when we get something that we want or get rid of something that we don't want. It doesn't last too long. And then the only thing that we know, the only thing that we've learned for most of us before we meet this practice, before we start getting curious about looking at this adding process, you know, getting looking at how we engage with the world and what we believe about how happiness will happen. Before we uh, meet the practice, we, we, we don't know any other way to find happiness than to get what we want or to get rid of what we don't want. And so, and this, this, this activity of getting and the having and the getting rid of seems to confirm it. Seems to confirm that that's the way to happiness. But the Buddha points out that that kind of happiness is pretty fleeting. 
It doesn't last very long. We get something that we want, we're happy for a few minutes, and because that happiness is so fleeting, the next thing we do is, is start looking around, well, what else can I want to get? What else can I get that'll make me happier? Or what else can I get rid of that'll make me happy? And so we're on this, this cycle. We're just continually adding that fuel to the fire about wanting to get something or wanting to get rid of something based in this misunderstanding that this is the way to happiness. And the Buddha, the Buddha said that there's another way to happiness, which is basically to let the greed and the aversion die down. To not follow through on them, but to watch them. And to feel the fire of them. Because when we're caught in that cycle, we're not really clearly feeling the fire of those of those qualities we're believing they're gonna they're gonna make us happy they're they're we're, we're focused more on what we think the outcome will be and when we actually explore this possibility of watching greed and aversion die out at times seeing the the greed or the aversion just let go we can feel the release from that fire of that greed or that aversion in that moment, we can feel, oh wow, I didn't need to get that thing. This ease that comes with the dying down, the release from that greed and aversion is so much more um, nourishing. It's a kind of happiness that's more nourishing than the the having what we want or getting what we don't want. And so if we have the confidence or have the interest to explore the fire, you know, be with the fire and, and see what it might mean to watch the greed die away, watch the aversion die away, we will get a taste of a different kind of ease or peace that the Buddha was pointing to. This ease or peace of the release from the fire, the release from the greed or aversion. And all of this is, it's not easy to do. I mean, it's not easy to sit with the fire of these difficult states of mind. It's not easy. It's, it's, it takes confidence. It takes trust. It takes a kind of a, a sense that there is a possibility on the other side. And when I first started this practice, I did not know that possibility on the other side. But I did have a friend that said, this stuff works, you really ought to try it. And so I borrowed that confidence. I borrowed that. If you actually try this, you will figure it out for yourself why it's helpful. If you actually try with mindfulness to meet Notice the greed, notice the aversion, notice the, all the beliefs and ideas about what's going to make you happy. You will see for yourself this possibility of release, of a different kind of happiness, a different kind of ease and peace, a cooling, a cooling of the fire that's burning us up. So those are my thoughts for the evening. Any comments or reflections or questions?
Fred. I like the idea of cooling. Uh, you know, uh, and it at least for 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 me, it's not something that I that I have to do in a positive way, but it's just something that I can let happen. Exactly right. That's that's the let happen as long as you are aware. That's that's the that's the piece, and and it takes patience with that awareness, you know, mm-hmm. because it's not an immediate. It's not like you just usually. It's not like you're just throwing the bucket of water on the fire. It's more that you do have to have the patience to let it cool. Well, and so often in our culture, there's there's the inclination to do something. Well, there is a, there is some doing here. The the mindfulness itself is a little bit of doing, um, but it's not doing in the way that we normally think of. You know, to just be you know, well, what's actually happening here? Oh my goodness, this is what's happening here. It doesn't feel like a doing in the normal way. It's more like, well, there's a fire here. I better I better like run around and figure out how to put it out. But this is more like, oh, there's a fire here. Let's not add fuel to it. Let's make sure there's space, a safe space in which this fire can burn out. And so that's that's the work we're doing, essentially. That's, a, that's, a, that's another way to put it, maybe, is like the mindfulness creates a safe space for the fire to burn out without it, like, getting out of control. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for that, Fred. Ronnie. Hi, Andrea. I, I hear what you said, and it certainly is what I think the Buddha taught. Um, I think maybe for me, sometimes I, I feel like the struggle comes when it just gets so uncomfortable. There's a sense of immediacy that I want this fire to go away. It's just so uncomfortable that I guess I just feel like I had to do something. Well, there and are I'm times. Not sure what that is about. Yeah, there are times when, when um, you know, the fire is like a raging forest fire, and our mindfulness isn't quite strong enough. You know, it's like our our our, our mindfulness is maybe a little trickle of a stream running through that forest, and it's like it's not. You know, it's basically just boiling away. It's not really needing. You know, it's not, it's not, it's not strong enough to create the safe space in which that fire can burn out. And in that kind of a situation, it can be useful. There's certain things that can be useful to, to do. I mean, there, it may be that you need to, um, to, to take some stronger action, like, you know, um, um, if you're getting ready to say something, you know, really just committing to not saying something or, um, you know, if it's a really strong reactivity that's happening that you cannot just be mindful with it, then turning your attention to something else, you know, the, the kind of practices of, of redirecting the attention so that you're not like just in that fire. If you, if it just feels like you're in the fire and it's, there's not a capacity to, like sit back and be watching the fire, 
you know, then, then there is, there is often something that we need to do there. So a different kind of tool can be useful. And we've talked about those a lot in the past, you know, the, um, um, redirecting the attention or making the container bigger, like reminding yourself, well, this is happening and there's a lot of other things happening, kind of normalizing it a little bit. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, we will do something. We will be so angry that we just, you know, we do something. You know, we, we lash out at someone or something. And, um, you know, sometimes the, the uh, reactivity has the upper hand. And what I often will encourage in that kind of a situation is for, is for you to get like really good at cleaning up the mess, <laughs> you know, to get just to, just to acknowledge that we are going to make mistakes. It's not, you know, it's not like we're going to do this perfectly. And so when we make a mistake, you know, acknowledging that, wow, that wasn't, that wasn't a helpful thing to do. Um, and, um, the Buddha encourages undertaking restraint in the future. And then there's also, you know, perhaps making amends, you know, um, recognizing. And, and the other piece is recognizing the consequences, you know, really with honesty, recognizing the consequences of what, of what has happened. Um, all of those things will be supportive for the mind's willingness to, um, to engage in a different way in the future.